0: Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co host is Mel Moline. The podcast ended its run in 2021, but all Fortune's Wheelhouse episodes remain available for all tarot explorers to enjoy. And we'll be periodically updating the intro and the outro with news and offerings from your co hosts. The big news for me right now is that my latest book, The Living Tarot is now out. This is the book version of my online class, which is also called The Living Tarot. Whether you go for the book or the class or both, the idea here is to help you recognize how the images in the cards relate to your everyday, ordinary life. As you master that language of fluent metaphor, you'll enter into a deep, rich conversation with the world of symbol. And that conversation, I personally believe, is the key to re-enchanting your own life. If you're new to tarot, this is the book that will get you up and running. And if you're an experienced reader already, it's meant to help fill in any remaining gaps that you might or might not realize that you have. And if you buy the book, you can send me a copy of the receipt for a $22 discount off the cost of the online living tarot class. If you're in the online class, you get a monthly Zoom meeting with me and other students, feedback from me on the major assignments, and if you graduate, a one-question reading from me. Oh my God, guys, it's such a good deal. If you'd like to send me your receipt, you can do that at tsusanchang.com slash living tarot book, tsusanchang.com slash living tarot book. Now, here's what Mel's been up to. She's just rebuilt her tarotcart.com website, which has a new info page about thought inspired decks and a blog feature with weekly tarot articles. She also has a new auction site for one-of-a-kind creations, out-of-print items, prints, and original art. And that's at tarotcart.auction. Mel's first deck, the Rosetta Tarot, is back in a new large edition. It's the same size as the large edition of the Tabula Mundi tarot, if you're familiar with that. And it has vibrant borders with English titles and correspondence symbols. And the card backs are printed with metallic ink. That's available at tarotcart.com. Mel will also soon be launching a new ceremonially rendered talismanic tarot. The major arcana are based on their descriptions in Aleister Crowley's 777, and the minors are based on the magical images of the Deccans also from 777. I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about Mel's new deck. For info about when the new tarot deck launches, and auction listings, and new tarot editions, and article links, and special sales, you can sign up for Mel's newsletter via the link at tarotcart.com. As for me, I've also just created a new thing I'd like to tell you about. You know the Nine of Swords in Rider-Waite-Smith? If you're like me, you may have noticed the beautiful blanket on the bed of the person having a nervous breakdown in that card. All my life, I've wanted that blanket, and recently, I created my own. It's got red roses, hand-drawn by me and zodiacal glyphs on a blue patchwork background, and I made it while Mars was in the second decan of Gemini. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll know why that's important. You can purchase your very own Nine of Swords blanket at redbubble.com slash people slash tarotista slash shop. If you love Fortune's Wheelhouse, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Your monthly donations allow us to keep these episodes on the air for our many repeat listeners. And you also gain access to the archive of hundreds of posts and articles that we wrote for our original Patreon supporters. You can sign up for a one-time or recurring donation at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, thereby cementing your legacy as a superhero of the astral realm and earning our undying gratitude. Once again, that's patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And now, here's this week's episode.
1: Two steps forward,
0: one step back. Two steps forward, one step back.
1: I not want to
0: go back no, not, not. Okay, hi everybody. We are back and we are going to be talking about the zodiacal sign of Cancer the Crab and its manifestation in all ways in esoteric tarot. Excited to do this. The cards that we will be covering in this episode are the cards of cancer. So first of all, the zodiacal major of the chariot, which is associated with cancer, and then the three decanic minors, the two, three, and four of cups associated with the three decans of cancer. Uh, we will also be talking about the court cards. That means the queen of cups for the two and three of cups, the first and second decans of cancer, the third one belonging to to the Prince of Wands or Knight of Wands. And then we can also touch upon, besides the major arcanum of the chariot, we'll also talk about the hanged man, which is the elemental major of water. And uh, I guess the ruler of Cancer is being the moon. We can talk about the priestess a little bit as well. Priestess or high priestess. Uh, In terms of the technical specs of Cancer, it is a nocturnal or night or yin or feminine uh, in polarity sign. Uh, It is of the elemental triplicity of water. It is of the cardinal modality or quadruplicity. Uh, This is our second one of those, the first having been Aries. And its ruler, of course, is the moon. There's all kinds of dignity details to talk about as well. The moon is in rulership. Uh, Saturn is in detriment in Cancer. And Jupiter is exalted in Cancer. And Mars is in fall in Cancer. I think that covers it. All right. So let's dip a toe into the waters of Cancer, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Our first water sign, all the seas and oceans and rivers of the world are ours Mm. to explore. You know, the figure of the crab is such an interesting one. I looked a little bit into the etymology, why cancer is associated with, you know, the disease of cancer, which I think is kind of a bummer for those who have their son in that sign, because, you know, you want to look up your horoscope and you enter Mm. in cancer and you get terrible things. The word was karkinos in Greek. That's just the word for crab. Yeah. And Mm. I think the... the etymology that I saw didn't relate so much with the shell, which I thought it would, as with the pincers, the idea that a metastatic tumor in cancer. Caused from carcinogens. Yeah caused from carcinogens, will kind of spread out like the pincers of a crab and kind of look like that a little bit. So It
1: makes me think of, you know, Carcer the prison, but I think that's a Capricorn thing, Mm -hmm. which is on the same axis.
0: Yes, interestingly enough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you'd think. It's interesting also, you know, if you think about that Cancer-Capricorn axis with the moon on one end, rulership, and Saturn in rulership in Capricorn, they are the quickest and the slowest. Yes, On each, either end of that chain of being, the most changeable and the least changeable.
1: Yeah. Well, Saturn too is the, like, the furthest out and the coldest. The moon's interesting because it's, has no light of its own. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. cold, but it reflects the light of the sun, the warmest. Yeah. And it
0: speeds through the sky, you know, changing sign faster than any other celestial body. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Saturn is the slowest if you're not counting the outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Another interesting thing is the the exaltation in fall, the Jupiter being, you know, the planet of growth, and Cancer really has a lot of those growth qualities to it. It's, you know, incredibly fertile sign. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why Jupiter does so well there, in a sense. It's also cold and watery, and Mars is in fall, so Mars does not do well in Cancer being hot and fiery yeah so a lot of the themes of cancer you know have to do with its changefulness have to do with its nurturing and fertility the mother mothering aspects of the other thing that's interesting
1: is cancer's position on the zodiacal wheel, so you know, like all the cardinal signs Aries, the last one we did was on the horizon, the eastern horizon, mm. the beginning, the sunrise, whereas cancer's at the nadir. Mm-hmm. midnight and kind of like the home base you know yes yes the, the home base of, of the the, home. the zodiacal wheel
0: right right and that's definitely something you notice with the with the cancer archetype that home is so important home needs mm-hmm. to be safe in fact it's so safe you just carry it around with you all the time <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's no place like home <laughs> yeah the crab in its shell is is ever defended we'll be talking about the chariot but a lot of people wonder why the chariot is associated with cancer, which is such a maternal tender sign, uh, but and why is it associated with this warrior figure. But what's more important to defend than the home,
1: right? Right. What's what's more fierce in nature than the mother bear, you know, protecting its cubs? Exactly. So the, that's something you don't want to mess with.
0: Yeah. And uh, I was listening to their observations from uh Kelly and Chris and Austin on the astrology podcast that you know Cancer represents the the primordial wellspring, the origin of life, that which must be mm-hmm. protected at all costs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting too because it's it's cardinal water, mm-hmm. and, it's the I, first and where honors. is water really most active? It's those deep, deep undercurrents of the ocean, and and you know that's mm-hmm. that's Cancer's reach into the subconscious. Mm-hmm. those deep undercurrents of feeling and that is their motto after all is I feel I feel exactly and you know
0: that's a really interesting motto in the sense that like if you're an underwater creature you do have a sense of touch that is highly developed like mm-hmm. all of those vibrations that are transmitted by the water are yeah. information for you you feel
1: everything yep. you're sensitive to touch
0: mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's part of that as well Super sensitive. It's a real,
1: uh again, like once again, each time we switch a sign, there's like a real contrast between the sign that came before. And here mm. again, you know, we had kind of the superficiality and, and restlessness and flightiness of Gemini as it goes out into the community and networks. And then in Cancer, it goes back to the home and the family and the tribe. It becomes much more of a... You know, kind of tribal thing.
0: Yeah. There's the airy detachment versus the watery, uh, connectedness, you know, not attachment. being separate at all. <laughs> attachment. That's the word I'm from, looking for. From detachment <laughs> to attachment. Yeah. The, the pincers, the claws, the, yes. the having and holding and not letting go. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and whereas the, the sort of direction of the story of Gemini is to sacrifice and give up one half of you know, to separate from and divide. and the answer's not giving him. up nothing. Gav- no, not <laughs> indeed. <laughs> no, no, it's holding on. It's a incredibly tenacious sign. Uh, yes. Conservative in the sense of loving the past, loving the things it already has, mm-hmm. uh, and protecting them at all costs, uh, while also giving birth to new things. So, yeah,
1: there Mm -hmm. can be a little hoarding. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they definitely have hoarding tendencies (laughs) and and accumulation of money. They're definitely mostly very much into saving and accumulating money for security and in food too like food hoarding that's a cancer thing
0: yeah we talked a little bit in the Taurus episode about the similarities between Taurus and cancer in terms of fertility in terms of um, in, in terms of love of possessions in terms of snacks
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think with cancer there's also the holding on to feelings like they are yes. not necessarily going to share their feelings with you sometimes they do and usually when you don't want them to but yeah you know this there's a secretiveness and a taciturn quality where they're until they really trust you or if they're hurt they're not going to say anything
0: right you will have to read their minds (laughs)
1: which is a psychic thing about the crab you
0: know the moodiness isn't isn't necessarily personal it's just that it has Mm -hmm. to do with picking up on everything you know, mm. and being sensitive to
1: everything. Um, Sometimes they do imagine slights where none exist. Like right. there's an oversensitive quality to get hurt over something that didn't even happen.
0: So one thing I've learned with my daughter being a cancer is that there's gonna be bad moods, inevitably, but one thing you can do is just wait it out. You know, it's like the weather mm-hmm. in New England. Five yep. minutes later.
1: <laughs> ten minutes <Right>. later. <laughs> the, the changeability of the moon. Mm-hmm. Only change is certain. You know, we're talking about changeability again, and that's a similarity, but also a difference with Gemini, where with Gemini, it's the changeability of thought or the changeability of Mercury, whereas here we have the changeability of the moon, which is more changeability of emotions. Oh, yeah, of mood. Yeah, that makes sense. I couldn't decide on a snappy one-line thing for Cancer. I had too many, but I think I finally settled on the Roots. Because they draw from deep wells, deep waters. Yeah. They are, you know, the roots are associated with the home, you know, and and genealogies and histories mm-hmm. and things like that. Um,
0: it was yeah. hard to choose
1: one, but that was the one I came up with. For sure. I sometimes think of it as the well
0: because, or the wellspring, because, you know, you have the water in there, but you also have the stone
1: protective fence around it, you know? <laughs> you know yeah, that's too. a good one too.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 from which you can dip into the wells.
1: I was so, going to go with the embroidered hanky, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> the tear soaked. <hanky. laughs> so, um, chariot and cancer. I think this mm. bears a good amount of looking into because again, that sort of like disconnect between the tender maternal thing and the,
1: and, and the, the fierce itself. thing, yeah. Yeah,
0: and the fierce warrior thing. and
1: But there's also that idea of the chariot as being a vehicle and the idea of the body being the vehicle of mm-hmm. spirit and the body being the vehicle of new life and birth. Yes. As the mother.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's um, the connection also with Bina, with the mother, the you know the the great sea or the great ocean uh, mm. that from which everything springs.
1: Right. So I mean that does bring in the path is from Bina, the mother, the ocean, mm. and Geburah, Mars. Right. So there's the fierce martialness of the chariot.
0: Yeah, Crowley says about the chariot that. The charioteer's face is helmeted because none may look upon his face and live. <laughs> so there's that, like <laughs> many layers of enclosure and protection, you know, mm. uh, which we associate with the crab, but also that he's throned rather than conducting the chariot. His only function is to bear the grail. And that's something that also comes to me with the idea of the maternal body in pregnancy. You know, mm-hmm. the idea that it's, it's a, it's a passive vehicle that's at the same time cardinal it's you know mm. it's it's gestating it's creating but you don't actually have to do anything you know yeah in order for that
1: to happen you're you're there and it's an inward um and, yeah that is a good point too about cancers being cardinal Because, you know, when you think of the soft, squishy crab, but then, you know, hard on the outside, squishy on the inside, and you think of it, them as being kind of sensitive and emotional, you forget that they're cardinal. They're actually quite tactical.
0: Exactly. Something is definitely starting. Uh, and yeah. it's important for it to start, and that's worth defending. that uh, also, you know, that idea of being throned rather than conducting is something we see in both chariot versions in both Rider-Waite-Smith and in Thoth. There's an immobility about the warrior figure, you know, in the Rider-Waite version, literally encased in stone. <laughs> mm. And um, Thoth version, they're just sitting there with their legs crossed. You know, mm. I'm just sitting here doing
1: my thing and growing at the same time. Yeah, you. it's an interesting juxtaposition between the passiveness of the um, the sign, but the activeness of the card- cardinality
0: aspect yeah. of the
1: sign. Yeah, and
0: in fact, you know, the modern day equivalent of the chariot, the car, is like that because you're going really fast, but you're just sitting there.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that paradox seems more more appropriate in modern times than in any previous vehicle in a way Mm -hmm. the archetype of the crab i kind of think of it as there's the tenacity the claws that have and hold which i think of as you know being kind of related to the two of cups and then the
1: the sideways dance with the sea the kind of like back and forth the Mm. sort of like back and forth, looking at it what it wants until it looks like it's going to get away. And then I better grab it with that pincher. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I think of that as being very much like the dance of the three of cups, the sort of like communication back and forth with the surrounding environment, exchange of nutrients. Um And then the the four we always talk about as being the four of cups, the final decan of cancer being kind of the high tide, the, the crab's relationship with the high tide of the... um mm, Doubly the lunar... Yeah, the generative aspects of it somehow, something like that. The thing about the weight version of the, the chariot is that weight really thought of it as quite external, you know, triumph of the mind, and said that it would have, oh, I forget what he said, something about if he encountered the high priestess, he would have no access to her secrets. But to me, that's one thing I don't really accept from that interpretation, because I believe the char- charioteer to have real access to the spiritual secrets of the moon, you know, the carrying of mm-hmm. the grail. And mm. his armor is to defend those secrets and to, I often associate the chariot with the Merkaba mysticism, the journey inward to encounter the divine.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: there's something about outer and inner that's just complex about this. Armor. Definitely. In fact, speaking of outer and inner, maybe we can talk a little bit about the Hebrew letter associated with, uh, the chariot or cancer, Mm -hmm. which is het. Yes, Mm -hmm. het. The fence or enclosure, which again, you know, really speaks to the, the armor of the crab, the, um, the shell, the candy, candy shell, (laughs) soft (laughs) squid protecting the soft chocolate center. We go from Binah to Givura, that Archetype of the mother to the archetype of the warrior and the relationship that they have given that, that necessity for defense. Really, the Givura archetype is the soldier, is the, the warrior aspect of mm-hmm. the, the warrior in his chariot is exactly. the magical image. But what he's protecting relates back to Bina, the, you know, the mother's um, precious blood, basically. The grail, yeah. Yeah. And it's the conveyance of that precious treasure across the perils of knowledge, the perils of dot of the abyss mm. going from understanding to severity. So on that, the
1: pillar of severity. On
0: the pillar of severity. And then the next sort of segment of that pillar will be the hanged man. So, you know, there's definitely a transmission of the secrets thing going on. So we've got the hanged man and the priestess energies, all kind of in parallel. You know, Mm. you've got the priestess in the central vertical pillar, you've got the hanged man in the vertical column below, and then you've got the chariot right there uh, above it on the pillar of form. So there's something in all of these paths about the waters streaming down from the source down into the mundane
1: world. Mm. It's kind of interesting, too, to think of, you know, the grail as an allegory of the the womb and the Grail
0: is the allegory of the womb because we also talk about gestation a lot in the two, three, and four of cups. Um, you know the idea that the 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 final stage of these cancer cards is being too full and uncomfortable and needing to be born.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the womb is one of the body parts associated with cancer. The other one, the breasts, mm. that which feeds the the young.
0: Oh right and also the time of year um the summer solstice uh being baby, considered baby animals baby animals and the beginning of the new year for many traditions um mm.
1: the flooding of the nile happened in cancer mm-hmm. i guess right. uh uh or and that's you know we're cancer around know. here anyway mm-hmm. that's when we start seeing you know in gemini we saw things pairing off and now in cancer you start seeing baby yeah. birds in the nest with the mother bringing them little tidbits of food.
0: That's right. Constantly back and forth with the food.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about the hanged man and the
0: story of water generally, you know, I think about the fact that there's, it always begins with a quest. You know, when you think about the Odin myth, which you portray so beautifully in the hanged man in Tabula Mundi, you know, that's about wanting something and looking for something, you know, mm. and the desire for that kind of uh, secret knowledge and so yeah you know that's a part whereas sacrifice is always a part of the hanged man but it we often forget that it begins with the desire for something because you can't sacrifice until you know you want something to sacrifice for and the chariot provides that impulse that yeah there's
1: definitely a-, a questing aspect to the chariot as well as a sacrificial aspect to if you think of it as a, a- maternal and gestation there's a sacrifice there for sure and the the child is is living off the body of the mother
0: right and and that's another thing about the charioteer one one thing i always observe i forget where i picked it up from uh but the charioteer is not doing this for his own glory right Mm. you know it's not like the emperor who is the the boss and the ruler the charioteer is doing it on behalf of somebody warrior Yeah, yeah, he's on a mission, and it's not really about himself. It's a fairly mission selfless God.
1: archetype, <laughs> <laughs> like the <Right>. Blues Brothers.
0: <laughs> and then, there, then in terms of the relationship to the High Priestess, you know, one thing that I always get from the Priestess card is that you know the being the veil between the conscious and the unconscious. Uh, mm. You know, the between the two realms, and the chariot, in a sense, is that motion between them. You know, it parallels her path over the abyss. Yeah,
1: it's the enclosure, but it's also the passage in and out of the enclosure. Right. The piercing of the veil.
0: The piercing of the veil. The um, going from what can't be known to what can be known. You know, so in a sense, it's going from sleep or dream to waking or from from being enclosed in the womb to birth. It's the same cognate transitions between realms we talk about the decanic miners the decanic miners which we've started to a little bit they're definitely sweeter than the, mm. <laughs> than, the than the ones we talked about in gemini yeah a, bit more a lot nurturing.
1: easier um yeah they're definitely a lot easier in all ways but the plant planetary decan rulers are easier to take too for the most part
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Venus, Mercury, Moon. That's a nice sequence
1: there. All the inner planets, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. The images of the Deccans. So we've got in the Two of Cups, it's a young virgin with fine clothes with a crown on her head. That's one version. That's the Agrippa version. The Picatrix one is a man whose fingers and, and head are distorted and slanted, and his body is similar to a horse's body. His feet are white. He has fig leaves on his body kind of yeah, hard to know what to make of that one yeah that's something <laughs> somebody was uh, in imbibing something but but the fig leaves on his body well i can guess where they were it kind right? of makes, <laughs> with the, the the virgin crown and the fig leaves kind and the leaves uh, in general kind of make me think of the generative aspects of cancer one thing that's kind of curious is that the significations are acuteness of senses, subtlety of wit, knowledge, love, uh, the love of men, whereas the Three of Cups is the love of women, interestingly Mm. enough. The Three has the woman with the beautiful face, again, the crown of green myrtle, stem of the water lily, very cancerian or or water-based plant, singing songs of love and joy. Uh, The Agrippa one has people in A comely apparel, sitting at a table and playing. Riches, mirth, gladness, love of women. And so those first two decans are
1: really very pleasant. (laughs) You yeah, know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: there's a feeling of interest, of joy,
1: and games and wealth. And- yeah, just yeah. enjoying
0: yourself and feeling safe. And, you know, I, I think of this as like, you know, all the things you can do in the walled garden of cancer.
1: Yeah, that's the safety of the enclosure or the container. I mm-hmm. think, you know, I remember when I used to work at a Buddhist retreat mm-hmm. center, they called it, uh, one of the names of the place was a refuge and they called it the container, the safety of the container where you could practice and, and, and explore.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, the whole archetype of the vessel is key to this whole discussion, really, you know, the container and what does it hold? The water, you know, Mm, that takes its form. And then the the final deck is where things start to turn a little bit. This is our famous selhaif.
1: <laughs> right, where the, the cup overflows. Oh, yeah, the turtle. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> turtle,
0: the salihafa in Arabic means turtle, uh, with a snake in his hand who has golden chains. And then the other image of it from Agrippa is a man with a lance and horn bringing out the dogs to hunt, which is quite lunar and quite quest-oriented, kind of like mm. we've talked about that. Um, the significations do have to do with acquiring things, the hunting but also possessing which is a theme we've talked about.
1: Yeah, and then there's a, there's mentions of conflict and, and brawlings and arms in both significations, and it kind yeah. of almost, maybe it foreshadows the five.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe it does, but also the idea that you fight for what you want to hold on to. Yeah, you know? yep. And whereas
1: there's a lot of Possessing places- Possessing of things, that's very Cancerian.
0: It is, and it's fighting to possess too, mm. um, which, you know, fighting isn't always about, about the thing you want to have. It's often about fighting and just argument and differences of a, opinion. But here it's really about there's something you want to get hold of. It's a, mm. you know, game of cosmic capture the flag here. <laughs> there is a working Agrippa has a working you can do in cancer one in order to increase the fruits of the earth something we've been talking about. Fertility. Uh, it's also good against poisons. For sure. Yeah. Um, the image is a woman cornuted, so that means horned, having horns. Horns of the moon, right? Tauro Kuros, mm-hmm. bull-headed or bull-horned moon. Uh, riding on a Bull or seven headed dragon <laughs> or a crab, <laughs> uh, arms twined with serpents. Again, with the dart in the right hand, we talked about how that's a thing. Left hand mm-hmm. has a looking glass. So that's the mirror of the moon. Venus. yeah. Yes. Or the yes, moon. Yeah. The,
1: yeah. Well, that, that card is the ruled by Venus. Yes, that can ruled it. by Venus. Well,
0: actually, and the other working which I didn't mention in the Taurus episode for Agrippa is that you can do one where the moon is in Taurus, uh speaking of Venus, that is good for preventing weariness for travelers because traveling is a moon thing too, the safe passage. But uh but the the whole fertility increasing the food of the earth and also it's good against infirmities of children, which is a very much a cancer thing. Um, it reminds me of something in the Orphic hymn, which uh, a, a word, I don't know how they do it in in the Taylor translation, but the word telesphore, you know, c- uh, giving of grace and bringing to perfection. Telesphore is like bringing forth a perfect progeny, right? You know, something that's mm. fully, fully formed and ready to be born. You know, it's not just about being fertile and giving birth, but about, giving birth to something that's had enough time to do Perfected, yeah. Yeah, which to me is that four cups thing. Fully baked, yes. (laughs) That makes me think also of the journey of the grail that has to be, you know, brought intact, not spilling one drop of the precious blood from Binah to Givora. Uh, We were talking about those two, three, and four of cups, and I don't know, there's just something about that that we talked about in the episodes having to do with the the three trimesters of mm. pregnancy,
1: but also mm-hmm. about... Right, when the uh, definite progression, you know, the conception,
0: the mm-hmm. gestation,
1: and then the this place is too small.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that two of cups is kind of like egg meets sperm, boy meets girl, three of cups we can think of literally as the quickening, you know. Right, um, and it's as- comfy in here yeah and then the four <laughs> let me out, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 I've had enough. I'm ready to come out, the lords of love, abundance, and uh, luxury luxury or yes. or blended pleasure, blended pleasure, yeah, luxury being a term that really connotes having enough and more than enough, you know? you're a right,
1: affluence,
0: yeah. Superabundance of
1: resources.
0: So, the, the court cards associated with Cancer are the Queen of Cups for the first and second Deccans, the remedy for ruin, the Ten of Swords in her shadow Deccan, right? Um, the Queen of Cups at her best is maternal, nurturing, empathic, psychic. That's sort of like the waters of yeah, life connecting that's everything. That's
1: like, I think you called the card once the, the little priestess, and you can definitely see the <laughs> lunar. Aspects well, she definitely
0: looks like the the Thoth priestess. I think of the Two of Swords as being the little priestess in the Rider-Waite-Smith. But if you look at the Queen of Cups. Uh, she, yeah, she looks like a priestess. She looks you know, like the it, Thoth priestess. You know, strong. Uh,
1: scrying into the water.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Looking beyond the With veil. the moonlight uh, reflecting. Yeah. Yeah. And also in the Rider-Waite-Smith,
0: she's looking at a closed cup. Closed like the crab shell. Um, Mm. You know, because she can see into it and see past it. She's using it as a focal point, but she doesn't need to actually see anything
1: to understand
0: what's going on.
1: Yeah, and that's something we didn't mention is that there's a lot of uh, psychic power in in the sign of for cancer.
0: For sure, for sure. i mean heavily psychic. Also, you know, you can sort of see that metaphorically in the sort of uh blending of her gown or her robe with the the Waters of the Sea and the Rider-Waite-Smith card, which is something that also happens in the Priestess, High Priestess of Rider-Waite-Smith. Mm. Those uh two cards have incredibly strong reflections of one another in both decks. Yeah, yeah. And then the Four of Cups belongs to the... Prince of Wands or Knight of Wands, whose other Deccans are the ones we'll deal with next in Leo, Five of Wands and Six of Wands. But the Four of Cups uh, thing does, I think, contribute to his impatience, you know, in a way, the desire to get on with things um, mm. and not wanting to be hidden away and confined in cancer, <laughs> right, you know, uh, but to show everything and to re- reveal everything, that relationship of... You know, the Four of Cups. Bursting out of the womb. (laughs) Yeah, the relationship of the Four of Cups to the full moon implies the relationship of moon and sun, their opposition, the shining of that light being reflected in the moon, and then moving Mm -hmm. straight into Leo, into the sun's territory. So, Yeah, he's got a pretty powerful position there. (laughs) Yes, he certainly does, negotiating between the two luminaries like
1: that. Mm -hmm. It's it's cool.
0: Talk about myths. Myths is good.
1: Okay, so, so... It's the crab myth, right? The constellation, yeah, is the crab constellation, or it was in Egyptian times, it was not a crab, it was a scarab, but other times it was a tortoise. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned that in that constellation. So it, as a crab, it relates to the second labor of Hercules, which was to slay the Hydra. Um, so Hera, you know, sent Hercules on these quests, uh, Hera being a great mother figure, which kind of fits into the Cancerian mm-hmm. archetype. You know, she was kind of the nemesis of Hercules and sent him on these labors. And the second one was to slay the Hydra. And during the battle, I guess the crab bit him in the toe. Mm-hmm,
0: that's right. <laughs> and uh,
1: Hercules then stomped on the crab and killed it. And Hera rewarded the crab for trying, basically, and and <laughs> put him put put up in the sky. That's her. right. Yeah. The
0: loyalty of the crab for helping her out. I've heard that maybe the crab had a relationship with the Hydra in some way where it saw the Hydra as a maternal
1: figure. I don't know. Who they knows why crabs do what they in do. The, in the sky. I mean, the yeah. Hydra constellation is near the crab constellation. Also in the that sector of the sky is the beehive cluster, M44, which mm-hmm. is kind of a very lunar thing in the sense that bees are all female. Um, yeah, sometimes it's called pricipi, almost all Bees right? are female. The worker bees are all female.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's called the manger
1: or the right, which is another. Yeah, that's another myth about the donkeys that were uh, ridden. <laughs> I think they called them the Acelli, mm-hmm. or Aselli. Right. I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. Ridden by Bacchus and Vulcan in the war against the Titans. And uh, supposedly the braying of the donkeys scared off the titans or something. And Mm -hmm. uh, so as a reward, they were put in the constellation with the manger near them so they would never be hungry.
0: (laughs) Which seems like a very
1: Cancerian thing, too, to make sure they never lack food. For sure. I like that a lot. Yeah, (laughs)
0: It's definitely always the... The prize of the gods for loyalty is get your ass up in the sky. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's also quite an obscure constellation. It's hard to see. You know, it's yeah. a bit elusive,
1: right? Which seems like the, like the crab,
0: like the crab, and it also rises backward. I saw somebody say. I don't really know exactly oh, what that means, huh. but um, that's but interesting. Seems like a reference to the sideways or you know sideways motion, motion of
1: the crab. Yeah, makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, and actually, when we were talking about the chariot, that's something to think about, too, the sideways as opposed to forward motion. It's definitely most versions of the chariot are not going forward fast. <laughs> mm, right? <laughs> I looked in the Penguin Dictionary of Symbols, which is great, we love that, of course, um, at crab, and there's all kinds of myths that have to do with kind of rain-making and bringing mm-hmm. an end to drought. There's a Chinese corpse goddess. Yeah,
1: I saw something yeah. that the Chinese called the constellation. I wasn't sure if I should mention it because it's kind of mm-hmm. grim, but uh, <laughs> they called it the exhalation of a pile of corpses.
0: Oh, yeah, that was uh, quite a malefic uh,
1: yeah. uh, reading of that.
0: But the, the, the goddess I read about was named Niu Cho or Niu Zhou or something like that. I couldn't quite figure out the etymology. My Chinese etymology skills are non-existent. But this is a goddess who was praying for rain and interceding on behalf of the people, I guess. And the sun god burned her up to a withered and desiccated corpse, apparently, Uh, although eventually they did get their rain. And she was associated with the crab, with giant crabs. They were said to live in her land. So the the crabs are like a symbol of rains returning, I think as well, mm. you know, as a, as well as the food that you see uh, as a littoral or shore creature, they're the first to come back um and a, a symbol of abundance and fertility. You know, when I look at the sequence of the 2, 3 and 4 of cups, I sometimes think of inevitably because of the 4 of cups, I think of the story of Gautama Buddha. Oh um, yeah, I always you know? do too. Yeah, yeah because they sort of like these themes of desire in the Two of Cups and desire is the root of all suffering and the enlightenment of that, the realization of that in the Four of Cups being the mm-hmm. the key to superseding it. There's definitely something about that myth yeah. in, in that sequence as well. Okay, so um I guess in terms of correspondences, maybe it's worth mentioning the association of the moon both with the geomantic figure of populus and the geomantic figure of via which are right. you know two kind of i don't know mother and daughter Um, they're the one that has yeah. all the dots and the one that has half of them
1: <laughs> yeah via is definitely a straight path the way yeah. via the way and then populus the people the people and the way populus especially fits because of its association with the people and the moon is kind mm-hmm. of the you know that's the signification of popular opinion like if the you moons, have a prominent yeah. moon you'll be either popular or unpopular
0: yeah with, moon the, definitely can really being in publicity. touch with
1: what the people want or need
0: mhm the assembly of people the um and you know it's cons- it's called favorable with favorable things unfavorable with unfavorable things and to me that's what
1: popular opinion is Right. Yeah. It's just
0: what everybody thinks. It's the opinion of right. the masses, which can be negative or positive and uh, And it's both. also
1: like a mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And an energy, which can
0: work for good or evil as well. The popular mm-hmm. opinion, the word populace, and I think public are probably cognate. Um, mm. you know,
1: popular the, opinion. Yes.
0: Yeah. Public publicity. The idea that, you know, the collective unconscious. Although the moon has no light of its own, when it reflects the sunlight, it illuminates, it confers glamour, it confers, uh, mm. light, it confers whatever you want it to confer. Uh, it's, it's more flexible and fluid, the image that's, uh, raised by the light of the moon than that raised by the sun. And via, well, that is said to be Positive for journeyings for travelers.
1: Via well, it's interesting road. that mm-hmm. because Jupiter's exalted here in Cancer.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Ruler of Sagittarius, where voyaging yep. is privileged. Um, but negative for everything else.
1: <laughs> so, you know, and uh, to me, fine that's if you like, get a want to want to get a move on. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. That's that's changeableness for you, right? Because it's yeah. good if you want to change places, but bad if you don't want to move.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's definitely the moon's changeability and the whole, you know, mm-hmm. birthing, coming out of the moon. You, you can't yeah. stay there. <laughs> you don't get to stay
0: there. It's good yes. if you want to move on. It's, it's interesting. That's something about yeah, the the waxing and the waning of the moon. I don't know. There's, there's something when you do moon magic that has to do with being in tune with the ebb and flow of things and being able mm. to adapt easily. Um, more correspondences. We talked a lot about the crab, but also dogs of the moon, horses, rabbits, mm-hmm. turtles, the sphinx. Yep. Let's see. Vampires. <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. Yeah, is that in the imaginary an- uh, animals and creatures? Yep. Seven, seven, seven. That makes yep. sense. Uh, trees and plants are, of course, watery ones like the lotus. Um, any white flowers? Yes. Lilies yes. and water
1: lilies, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Cabbages and turnips, big, round and <laughs> watery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Any, any plants that live in the water, any, any animals that live in the water, um, snakes and, and fish and.
1: I like the, the stone as being the pearl and also amber. Yes. That's interesting
0: because amber gris, of course, is from the whale that. Whale uses- vomit? See and amber it's yes and amber itself is a a, a resin a fluid that's wept from the tree um mm. and in fact you know labdanum is the the scent associated with cancer or onica onica who knows what that is some people think you know that it was the the snail is labdanum the
1: stuff that they used to comb out of the beards of goats yes rock rose and so lozenum. that's interesting because the cancer Ooh, yeah yeah then. that
0: is that's neat um and it is you know one of those resinous sweet perfumes although actually in terms of taste the taste of of cancer is supposed to be salty like the sea which kind of makes sense um For sure
1: oysters <laughs>
0: yes um camphor also camphor and eucalyptus are, are and milk and milk Yes, for sure. I often think of ice cream as being a particular <laughs> Cancerian thing. Ice cream yeah. in a little vintage silver dish. <laughs> yes. Definitely um, the vintage silver yes. dish. <laughs> right. Um, stones besides amber, there's, uh, the sapphire. ergo. Oh, ergo. Yeah. The, that, the, the hallucinogen. Yeah. Um, chalcedony. I think of white stones as being very, um, very lunar generally. Um mm-hmm. selenite and yeah. Of course. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those for sure stones that are watery. Uh you said pearls, I think. Yeah. And also in places besides the watery places, lakes and swamps and seas, but also confluences of water deltas, fertile deltas.
1: Yeah. There's definitely I think almost every cancer person I've ever known loves the ocean. <laughs> yes. Loves being near it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but who doesn't love the ocean? But who doesn't love the ocean, indeed? Oh, we um, didn't do the magical weapons and powers. Oh, so, right, uh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: magical weapon is the furnace. Right. And Which the is kind uh, of like magical the power world. is the power of casting enchantments.
0: Yeah, so you have both the sort of like magic mirror of the moon thing going on there and the powers of illusion and glamour that the moon confers. Mm-hmm. But also the furnace has sort of grail-like
1: um, yeah, and it's, it's definitely an enclosed space where something is baked, you know?
0: Yes, yet the enclosure, the fence. <laughs> yes, right. Yep. But both the tripod and the furnace, we're talking about ritual objects, right? I mean, yes. everything in the magical weapons is a ritual object of some sort. All right, let's give a summary uh, best, as best we can. Have you mm. kind of hit all your notes? I think I've gotten most of my scrawled illegible notes here.
1: Uh, oh, did we do the colors?
0: No, we didn't do the colors.
1: Oh, we didn't. Uh, yeah, the, so the colors are all the colors of a live, not a cooked, crab.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: those would be the uh, the amber, which we've already mentioned as the stone, the amber color, mm-hmm. uh, the maroon, the rich, bright russet, and dark greenish brown. So you see all those colors in a yeah. live crab if you're ever at the beach and you see one scurrying around. That's what color they are before they get... Cooked and turned bright, Marshall red. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: and they also—they're really colors that are so. Uh, I don't know. I really think of them as having to do with like turbid,
1: life-giving waters and and rich earth. You mm. know,
0: uh, there's something very fertile about those colors too. Yeah,
1: definitely. They're all kind of colors that they're not pure, clear colors. Like the yellow is amber. It's it's mm-hmm. like they were all mixed with brown.
0: Yeah, like yeah, fertile murky. brown
1: because the, the amber would be yellow mixed with brown, and the maroon mm-hmm. would be red mixed with brown, and the you know etc. The green et cetera. mixed with
0: brown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's from mixing things that things grow. Yeah. All right. So let's see themes. We've talked about the nurturing and fertile aspects of cancer. The crab.
1: Yeah, the connection with history and love of mementos and home. Uh, safe spaces refuges yes
0: and the powers of the mind in terms of memory uh, but also psychic powers and empathy
1: and moodiness. feelings yeah <laughs> yes yes all
0: feelings, feelings and
1: changing emotions and uh, there's a very parental thing about the whole capricorn cancer axis in general for
0: sure that sort of the, the moon on the one end and the Saturn on the other, the sort of quickness and the slowness of those
1: two poles. Cancer's connection to the family and the tribe and the people, populace, the people. Mm-hmm.
0: And via the journey, the going from place to place, waxing and waning, uh, the most precious things and how you guard and protect them. Uh, the the, and there's
1: also a real theme you know we talked so much about metaphors of birth and gestation, but it's also important, I think that early childhood is is so associated with cancer and right A cancer is usually formed you know a lot of a, a cancer person's attitudes on life are formed in early childhood. It's a really mm. formative time, especially for sensitive in, individuals.
0: Safety and comfort are key in that period of life, as in all periods of life, but, you know, but especially yeah. then when it's a formative and sensitive time. Um, the association there's with the, water oh, and making and lakes and seasons, the wet places of the world.
1: And then there's the idea of growth and not just, you know, fertility type growth, but also saving and accumulating um, mm-hmm both possessions and finances making them grow.
0: And also having snacks and growing from your snacks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wanting to feed others and wanting to wanting to both feed and baby others and also probably a need and want to be fed and babied yourself.
0: Yeah. 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 Wanting good. to be
1: loved, fear of not being loved.
0: The nurture and the desire for nurture, the breasts and the stomach being mm-hmm. fed and taken care of. It's a very round sign. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In every way. All righty. All right. I think we've done our job here. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for traveling with us through the waxing and waning of the moon and its cycles. Uh, We will be back next time with the other luminary, the sun, and we will attempt to shine a light on it. (laughs) All right. See you then. And that's our episode for this week. If you love Fortune's Wheelhouse, and really, who doesn't, you may want to pick up the book version of the podcast. It's called Tarot Deciphered, Decoding Esoteric Symbolism in Modern Tarot, And it's available both online and in bookstores. In Tarot Deciphered, you can find just about everything we talk about in the podcast. Well, almost everything. There aren't quite so many dick jokes. And it's over 600 pages. So when you're not reading it, you can use it as a doorstop or a paperweight or a flower press, whatever floats your boat. If you'd like to connect with over a thousand smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends on social media, you can visit the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook, which is open to all. Many of us, including myself, are there every day posting our daily draws and spells to go with them, and it's a great place to see Esoteric Tarot in action. Fortune's Wheelhouse has a Redbubble shop where you can load up on Fortune's Wheelhouse merch, including coffee mugs, t-shirts, and notebooks printed with all the astrological correspondences of the minor arcana, because we are nerds. That is at redbubble.com slash people wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's main store, where you can read her articles and subscribe to her newsletter, is at tarotcart.com. Her auction site, which has periodic offerings of out of print items, one of a kind items, art prints, and original art, is at tarotcart.auction. And her website for new work and updates on her projects is, as always, tabulamundi.com. You can find me at tsusanchang.com, where you can find links to my classes, sign up for a reading or mentorship session, and learn about my upcoming events. And if you're interested in my custom arcana cases and silk and brocade for your decks, and my customized astrological perfumes, you can find those at etsy.com shop tarotista. You can also get talismanic eight of wands, keychains, and luggage tags there, because everybody needs those. So come visit us online and pick up something wonderful for a tarot-loving friend or just for yourself, because you are a hero of the astral plane and we so appreciate your support.